people. Well, good morning, everybody. We are uh, continuing in our series this morning called Cultivate on the Fruit of the Spirit. So uh, let's jump right into the scripture here this morning, Galatians chapter 5. We started with verse 16 that says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And then last week we read all those scriptures, talked about all those ugly things that the flesh tries to do. But instead of that, in verse 22, the scripture says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. The law can't even compare to the good things that God does by the work of the Spirit in our lives. Amen? Anybody thankful that God's working in your life? Anybody thankful God's working in your neighbor's life, your husband's life? You should be really, really thankful about all that. Amen? Amen. Well, I'm excited. Uh, I believe that growth in the fruit of the Spirit is a, um, it's a witness of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And Jesus said, Jesus told us very clearly, that people would know us not by the demonstrations of the, of the Spirit or the power of those type of things, that the people would know that we are his disciples, there were no, they would know the Spirit of God is in us by the fruit that lives in our lives, the fruit, okay? So God wants us to be filled with fruit, not fruity, but filled with fruit, amen? And uh, that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to jump in here today and look at the first aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, which is love. We've already heard so much of it in our song and our worship today. But, um, but you know, when, when you think about fruit, then um, the fruit, when, when you've got fruit, that, um, that the fruit exemplifies which tree that it, that it comes from. So we're going to we're going to do a test this morning, all right? I know some of you have already missed, you're missing school. You've been out for a week or two now. So, But this is an apple, right? Okay. Where do apples come from? Apple trees. Very good. Very, very good. Okay. And then we've got, here's a, a lemon, right? Okay. So where did lemons come from? They come from the produce section. Thank you. I appreciate that. But before they get to the produce section, they come from lemon trees, okay? Are you guys afraid to say this? You're like, I don't want to get anything wrong. These, these are simple ones, all right? So lemon tree, all right? Let's see what else we've got here, all right? How about, um, how about, how about an orange, okay? Where do oranges come from? <laughs> Orange trees, orange trees. Okay, so oranges come from orange trees. One of my favorite uh, fruits. How many, anybody here like pears? How many people like pears? Woo, they are good. Okay, so where do pears come from? Not a pair of trees. They come from pear trees, right? So that's good. That's good. Okay, let's, let's try one more, see how we're doing pretty good. How about this? Okay, where does this come from? Oh, who said watermelon tree? Now, people, I am so sorry. I could not resist doing that. You know there's no such thing as a watermelon tree. <laughs> could you imagine if that fell on your head, right? That would be a whole dis different discussion about gravity. No, we know they come from watermelon vines, right? So, uh, but the same thing is true here, that it comes from a watermelon vine. The fruit shows where the root is. And I really believe that that should be the same thing, the same way that it works with us. Then when people look at our lives and they see our lives, they should, man, they should obviously say, wow, I, I see Jesus 
They're, they're rooted in Jesus. The way that we interact with each other, the way that we interact in our families, the way that we interact with, uh, with our neighbors, right? Man, people should be going, there's something different about them. They're not like the rest of the world. They're not like other people. And, and, and I, I want to know what it is. And, and when they know what it is, they should declare that, man, I see Jesus. Obviously, the Spirit of God is working in them and through them. Amen? Amen. That's the tree that we come from. So, so let's keep this in mind while we jump, jump in here to this first fruit, this foundational fruit. I say foundational fruit because, because all of the rest of the fruit of the Spirit that we're going to talk about, all of the rest of the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit that we'll talk about over the next number of weeks, it's going to flow out of love. It's going to flow out of love. It, it really is. I mean, love is the foundation. Love is the basis. It, it, all, it all comes from love. Amen? Amen. Now, I think, honestly, what happens a lot of times is, is we get confused in our world about love. We get, we get confused because we say that we love so many things, right? In our English language, there's only one word that uh, describes, you know, we use for love, but, but we use it in a lot of different ways. We say that we love sports, we love food, we, have, uh, we love certain types of hobbies or TV shows or entertainment. You know, I, I say that I love Yvette. I would say that to her if she was sitting here this morning. We drove together. I have no idea where she's at now, so I don't know if the rapture of wonderful wives. No, that couldn't tell you be true because many of you are here, right? But um, I, so I, I say I love Yvette. I say I love diet Dr. Pepper. There's, I used to love sports. I think I'm about done with professional sports, but um, you had to get a witness. Uh, so uh, in church, in church, we say it all the time, don't we? We see brothers and sisters. We see people, love you, man, love you, love you. It's great to see you. But can I, can I tell you that in honesty, that, that the love that we talk about pales in comparison to the love of God. You see, when, when God's talking about love, he's, he's talking about something completely different. It goes so far beyond just what we express in our love. You know, we said that there's one word in English, but in the Greek language, and I'm sure many of you have heard this, that there are actually five uh, words that describe love. There's a, there's a love that kind of describes a very hot, passionate uh, love. There's a love that describes eros, the word eros, that describes kind of a, a sexual, uh, an erotic love there. There's phileo, the city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Um, so phileo there, there's this brotherly love, there's storge, which is kind of a familiar, a family love, kind of a, a natural love. And then there's the word agape. Agape is, is, is a word that's, it's just absolutely unique. It's, um, it's a word that, 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 that really, it, we, we try to define it, but it, in some ways it goes beyond definition. But this morning, we're, we're going to talk about some of the aspects of this agape, this God kind of love, because it's what he pours into us, and it's what he wants to pour through us. Amen? Amen. Everybody ready? Okay, here we go. Point one. God's love, his agape love, it's unconditional. So agape love is unconditional. Um, the, this kind of love, this, this, this unconditional love, it stands in direct contrast, I believe, to everything that our world exemplifies. We, we live in a culture where, where love is almost always, almost always based on some type of a condition, right? It's, it's conditional love. It's, it's a love that says, you know, that, that first of all, it's a love that's wrapped around self-interest. It's about me, okay? 
What, what am I um, going to get out of this? What pleases me? What do I like? What do I want? If you're, if you're the right color or you have the right bank account, if, you, you know, if you're the right political party, if you fit my description of Mr. Right or Miss Right, uh, then, then if you meet all the criteria, you, you, you meet all the conditions, well, then maybe love is a possibility. And that's the culture that we live in. It's the culture that's trying to form us and shape us and get us to, to, to follow along in footstep with what the world says about love. But in the midst of that, God puts his greatest power. God, God says, uh, the, the way that I'm going to raise up a standard, the way that I'm going to confront this self-interest, this, this love that the, the world and the culture describes, he says, I'm going to pour my love on people. I'm going to pour my agape on them, and I'm going to put it in them, and I'm going to put it through them to transform and to change the world around us. Amen? And that's, that's why God... What God's purpose is to so flood us with his love, his agape love, his unconditional love, that it, that it changes us, and by virtue of changing us, it changes the world in which we live. So agape love, God's love, is unconditional. It's a love by choice. It's a love by an act of the will. It will never seek anything but the highest good for another person. It doesn't need a, a chemistry or some type of an affinity or, or feeling, okay? It doesn't need that. It's a love that endures every difficulty. It overcomes every circumstance. So we see that this agape love, it belongs exclusively to God. And every other love, any other love, right, that we see, the, the, all other loves kind of, they require something. They require, maybe we get moved. We love a song because it moves us emotionally. It makes us feel something. And, and I'm certainly not against feeling. feeling. Feelings are great. Can I tell you that the love of God goes so far beyond feeling? Even when the feeling's not there, you know what love is? Love is a choice. It's a, it's a decision. It's an act of the will. It's a commitment that starts on its own and it stands on its own. And it's not just what God does, it's who God is. God is love. 1 John chapter 4 puts it like this in verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. You see, there wouldn't be any kind of love at all in the world if it didn't first start, if God didn't initiate love, if it didn't flow from him. So God, God's love is unconditional. The second thing is God's love is sacrificial. God's love is sacrificial. Our world, our culture, it's filled with um, love that's based on self-interest. It's like, what's in it for me? What can I get for it? If I'm going to give something, if I'm going to give love, I'm definitely going to get something, right? I'm, I'm going to give love to get sex. I'm going to give love to, to get whatever you put on the, on the list there. I'm going to get attention. I'm going to get admiration. Uh, I'm going to give to get so that it meets my agenda. It fulfills my agenda. I'm going to give to get so that it benefits me. It benefits my bank account. It benefits my, my goals. It benefits my life. That's, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give to get. 
But God's love is so much different. It doesn't give to get. It gives to benefit the life of another person. The agenda of God's love is to see how I can benefit you. God says, I'm going to come and I'm going to love you and I'm going to pour benefit into your life. And can I tell you that this, this flies in the face of the culture that we live in. They, they, they can't understand it. That, that's why when John chapter 15 says this, it says, Greater love has no one than this, than he lays down his life for a friend. And we've seen, we've seen an amazing example of that. We've seen it in people that have been close to us. We see it in, in, in people around the world. We see it in the life of Jesus. And can I tell you that the world looks at this and they go, wait a minute. People that would lay their life down, people that would give them themselves, people that would sacrifice, sacrifice for me, for my benefit, I don't get it. The world doesn't get it, but can I tell you this? They can't ignore it. They can't ignore it when we live that type of a life. And that's why in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes this to the Ephesian church. He says, but remember, God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and our sin, he's made us to be, he's made us alive together with Christ. By grace have you been saved. Do you get that? That, that God loved us when we were dead in our sins and trespasses. You know what? Dead people don't have anything they can give. They, they, they don't have anything that they can, can do for you, can sow into your life. And, and so what God is saying here, he's saying, hey, listen, I loved you when you could do nothing, when you could give me nothing in return. And God didn't just love us a little bit. I think one of my favorite scriptures is really becoming the scripture in 1 John where it, where it talks about it says, um, 1 John chapter 3 says this, look with wonder at the depth of the Father's marvelous love that he has lavished. I think that's a cool word, lavished upon us. He, he's, he's just kept pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring. He's, he's saturated us with his love. I, I, I just love that, that God says, hey, listen, even though you can't do anything for me, even though I need something from you, he goes, even though I don't need something from you, I'm going to continue to pour my love on you. I'm going to continue to lavish my love on you. I'm going to continue to just let my love flow. There's nothing you do to earn it. There's nothing you do to deserve it. But I'm going to continue to pour it out because that's who I am. That's who I am. Amen? Does, anybody, does that rock anybody's world this morning? Man, to think that, that even when I blow it, even when I screw up, when I mess up, God never stops pouring out his love. And, and that's the third point, is that God's love, this agape love, that it's continual. It's unending. You know, this cult, the love of the world, the love of the culture, uh, the self-interest type of a love, it's always got some type of a circumstance involved. It, it depends on the circumstances of, uh, or the situation of what's going on in life. As long as you do what I want, as long as you fulfill certain criteria, then I'll love you. As long as you live according to my agenda, then I'll love you, right? As long as you do make me happy, as long as you go in my direction, as long as you, as it's all about me, then, then love is a possibility. But, you know, then there's this, 
there's this point, it seems like, with this type of love, where we come to this point where it says, well, wait a minute. Now you're going to begin to ask something from me? You're, you're going to begin to ask for some type of a commitment from me? You're going to begin to ask for me to, to reciprocate, for me to give back? Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's where it stops. Hey, if you're going to inconvenience my life, then I'm checking out. I'm hitting the road, right? You want a long-term commitment? Hey, man, no, I'm in it for friends with benefits, right? You know, I mean, come on now. No, that's not the, that's not the way it's going to fly. And so we see that the love of God says, hey, wait a minute. That's not, that's not the way I work. Love never quits. It goes on and on and on, and it never stops. It never stops. I love it again where... Lamentations chapter 3 says this, says the steadfast love of the Lord, we sang it this morning, never ceases, it never ends, it never quits. Romans 8 verse 38 says this, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation Nothing in creation, nothing in the world, no demonic operation, no, no attack against you, nothing that you do, nothing that you say is ever going to be able to separate us from the love of God because God keeps pouring it out. He keeps heaping it upon us. He keeps lavishing upon us his great love. John chapter 17 says, I made you, I made known to them your name. Jesus here, uh, John, you know, we talk about the Lord's Prayer. John chapter 17 really is the Lord praying. And guess who he's praying for? He's praying for his disciples. He's praying for us. And he says, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known to them that the love with which you love me may be in them. And then I love this last little, last little part he puts in there. And I in them. You know what? Jesus was looking... To, to, to be able to, to leave earth and go back to heaven. He was finishing the work, the finished work of salvation. But, but, but in his heart, he goes, I love them. I want to be with them. I don't want to leave them. I, I want to stay connected to them. I don't want to be separated from them. Can I tell you that this kind of love, this kind of love that we were talking about, this, this relentless, this reckless love, it, it's going to do something. It's going to transform something in our lives. And can I tell you what I really believe that I think it's going to do? I believe that it's going to release unlimited power and authority in our lives to change the lives of those around us. Have you ever wondered, how come? I don't know about you, there have been times when I've prayed for people and not everybody that I've prayed for has, has been healed. But you know what? When Jesus prayed for people, they were healed. When, when Jesus spoke to the winds and the wind, every time, you know why? Because there was unlimited authority, unlimited power flowing through him. Can I tell you, I believe that the purity and that the presence of this agape love in him released authority that transformed the world. He, he, he looked at people, never wanting something from them, only the best for them. And out of that flow of love, God, the miraculous, the, 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 the life-changing power of God flowed. And can I believe that that's the kind of God, love that God wants to flow in our lives? So how do we cultivate this type of love? Anybody want this kind of love in your life? I want it. Four people? All right. We need a few more than that if we're going to change the whole world. All right. there, Man, how, how, does it, how do we cultivate this? Here we go. Number one, I believe that the first thing we need to do is we need to remember his love. 
It's great to come in here and sing about it. It's great to come to church and, and think about it. But, but it's not a love that's just a Sunday love. Amen? It's a Monday love and a Tuesday love and Wednesday and Thursday afternoon. And it, it goes on and on and on. And we need to remember that God loves us. You need to remember that God loves you. I, I, I'm, I'm just telling you, we've heard that today. I, I believe that there's some people here today that even when they're hearing it, it's, it's kind of like ringing in their ears because they're going, well, I hear it, but it doesn't make sense. It'll never make sense, but it'll always be true. It'll always be true. So number one, remember his love. There's an interesting section of scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 7 where Moses and God are having this conversation, okay? And, and, and Moses is, I don't know what's going on in his heart, but maybe he's starting to think, hey, we've been following God, we've been obedient, we've been doing all the right things, and maybe we're something special. And so here's what the Lord replies. He says, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasure possession out of all of the peoples of the world. Out of every single person in the entire world, out of all the nations of the world, we chose you. How many people think, man, that'd make your head swell just a little bit, you know? God could have chose anybody, but he chose them. He chose Israel. And then he goes on, he says, now it was not because you were more in number than any of the other people that the Lord set his love upon you or created you. He says, because honestly, you were the fewest of all the people, Right? He says the Lord loved you. It wasn't because you were great that he set his love on you. You were the fewest of people. But it is because he loves you. It's very simple. Can I tell you something? God doesn't love you because you're smart or handsome or beautiful or because of what you can do for him. God loves you because he loves you. God loves you because he loves you. God loves you because he loves you. And because he loves you, the scripture goes on and says he will love you and he will bless you and he will multiply you. Remember what Lamentation says, the steadfast love of the Lord never, never, never ceases. And I want to say it again here today, that no matter where you're at in your life, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've blown it, no matter, no matter how high you've ascended or how low you've descended, no matter how good or how bad things in, are in your life today, I am here to tell you this service, I believe, has been designed by God to tell you that God loves you. He's not ticked off at you. He's not looking for an opportunity to pinch your little head off. <laughs> right? He's not disturbed or distracted by all the things that... God loves you today. Just turn to somebody this morning and say, he's talking about you. God loves you today. Romans chapter 5 says, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. See, God says, I don't just want you to, to know the love of God. I want you to have the love of God. Have the love of God. There's a, a scripture that for a spirit-filled, a lot of, of us, we, we talk about a lot of, uh, very often in Jude, uh, verse 20, it says, But you, beloved, you, the God, people that God loves, build yourself up in your most holy faith, 
praying in the Spirit. I'm thankful for the opportunities that we have to pray in the Spirit. I'm thankful. What a great night. How edifying saturation was last night. Thank you, Puckett's and uh, the Hannah and the rest of the worship. It was a great night. If you missed it, you missed it. God loves you, but you still missed it. And um, all right. <laughs> so, but, um, but then we, we miss this next little section of Scripture here, okay, where it says, um, keep yourselves in the love of God. Uh, uh, understand, understand my heart here, right? You can pray in the Spirit 24-7. You don't keep yourself in the love of God, man, you're going to have some problems in your life. You're not going to be built up because the atmosphere that the Holy Spirit works in is the atmosphere of God's amazing love. We need to be reminded of this. We need to remember this. We need to keep it flowing in our lives because this kind of a, this kind of a love, it really does. It, it causes just something to happen in our lives that makes a lot of the rest of life easy. It really does. You know, we read the scripture in Matthew chapter 22 where it says, and he said, you shall, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. You know, and, and I think I got that out of order. But you shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. You know, love the Lord. And, and we see it as, an, as, a, as a command. Oh, my, i got to love God. i got to work up some love. And what did we say? We said this last week, right? That producing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, it's not our responsibility. We can't make it happen. Who makes it happen? The Holy Spirit. But when God keeps pouring His love into us over and over and over again, can I tell you that there will come a point in a time where you go, Oh, God, you've loved me so much. You've blessed me. You've provided for me. You've kept me in the dip, most difficult and the darkest days of life. You did not leave me. You didn't abandon me. Abandon me. You, you didn't forget about me. And can I tell you, the, and I hope everybody here has experienced this. Man, one day walking and praying this week, it was just like, I, I, have you ever felt just that such a passion for the love? Oh, God, you love me so much. How could you choose me out of all the peoples of the universe? And, and God, I'm just going to tell you because you, I love you, Lord. I love you. I love you with all of my heart, God. I wish there was something that I could do, something that I could say that could show you, God, how much I love you with all of my body, with all of my mind, with my thoughts, with all of my desires. Has anyone ever experienced that? Can I tell you, then we see this is the work of the Holy Spirit going on in our lives. It's the growth of the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of, of His presence is being, it's being cultivated in our life. And then the next part of that, I'm telling you, the next part of that becomes a, a whole lot easier than it usually is. And He says, then love your neighbor as yourself. I don't know about you. But there's times when my own ability to love, it runs dry. The well of love, man, it, the resource gets used up. But the love of God never, ever runs dry. So that's why I think this next revelation is really important to us. Ready? Number two. Receive a revelation of his love freshly and freely. Moses on the mountain with God and in Exodus chapter 34, it says this. It says, the Lord revealed himself to Moses, and when he revealed himself to him, he said he did this. He revealed to him that he was the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for 
thousands. I personally believe that the implication of that scripture is for thousands of generations. Thousands of generations. What it's saying is God's love will never stop. It will never diminish. It will never run dry. So Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 then, he encouraged the Ephesians to keep this close in their heart. He says, remember, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded, rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know, to know the love of God. Can I tell you that that word know is an interesting word? That it's not just a head knowledge, but it's an intimacy, okay? In the adults, right? In the beginning, Adam knew Eve and they had a baby. Okay, Wednesday night, I'm going to be talking about how to talk to your children about sex, all right? So how do we, that we might be intimate with the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you can be filled with the fullness of God. God wants you to know. He wants you to be intimate with. He wants you to experience. He wants you to, to receive his love on an ongoing basis. But can I tell you, sometimes we get so, we, we kind of, we, we, get a little, um, we get a little calloused. Oh yeah, I know God loves me. Can I tell you, there's times when we need to have more than a knowledge of love. We need to have an experience of his love. And I pray that today, that there would be a fresh experience of God's love in, uh, in each of our lives. Okay, so let's get practical. We're going to wrap up here. Ready? Number three, removing conditions from love. We need to remove conditions from love. If we're loving like God loves, then we're not going to put conditions on love. We're going to love unconditionally. We're, we're not going to be people who, who operate from the culture standpoint of self-interest love, self-centered love. We're going to love unconditionally. If we're going to love unconditionally, can I tell you that that means we're going to have to love intentionally for the benefit of others and not just for our benefit. Amen? In our homes, we're going to love for the benefit of the husband or for the wife or the, for the children or for the parents. We're going to love intentionally for other people's benefits, for their, for their benefit. So it's going to become a, a determination, an intentional determination in our lives that we're not just going to love the people who love us back. We're not going to just love the people that look like us or run in our circle, that we're going to love all people, all, say this with me, all people, let's say it again, all people, we're going to love all people just like Jesus does, amen? That's, that's, that's who he's transforming us to be. Galatians puts it like this, you shall love your neighbor, Galatians chapter 5, 14 says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You want to know God's will for your life? Love your neighbor as yourself. Amen? Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, what does that look like? Glad you asked. Thank you for asking. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Everybody there? Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Has anybody ever done this, uh, this exercise where, where it says love suffers long? Wherever there's the word love, do you put your own name in there? Has anybody ever done that? You, you put your name there. Okay, I'll put my name there. So Sam suffers long, and his, Sam is kind. Sam does not envy. Sam does not parade itself, himself. Sam is not puffed up. Sam does not behave rudely. Sam does not seek his own. Sam is not provoked. Sam thinks no evil. 
Sam does not rejoice in iniquity. Sam rejoices in truth. Sam bears all things. Sam believes all things. Sam hopes all things. Sam endures all things. Sam's love never ends. God, may that be a reality in Sam's life. And may it be a reality in your life. Is it a reality? Is it a reality? Is it a reality that this is how we love? Are we, are we those people who are patient and don't move, don't behave rudely? That we don't, uh, we don't rejoice uh, in iniquity. We don't. Can I can I define this just real quickly? How many times? I, I mean, I, I tell you, I've struggled with this at times, where I I, I don't rejoice in iniquity. But, man, I want iniquity to happen to somebody else. Man, I read some of the things that go on in the news and some of the things that have taken place in our culture recently, and you hear about child abuse and things like that. And, and man, I've got to just tell you, something stirs in my soul that, man, somebody just needs to go and take this guy out behind the barn. And, uh, I mean, and I can feel this. And all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute. Where's that love that says that guy needs the love of Jesus maybe as badly as anybody? Man, where's that, that love that says, I will rejoice in truth. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hope in all things. I believe that this is one of the things we need a restoration. We need a restoration of hope. We need a restoration of hope in our lives. We see people, we see a world that's sinking into a pit of despair. We, we see people that are, and, and I'm not trying to be self-promoting here, but, but let me say this, men, Next, next Sunday's Father's Day. I hope we get to see you and wish you a happy Father's Day personally. Um, but I'm telling you, be here. I believe the Lord's given a word about we need, we're, we're going to reclaim joy in our lives. Uh, I'm telling you, we've, we've, it's ebbed to a low place, and we find people that are sinking into a pit of despair, the, the, the depression. I can't believe how many people that, that you just meet on a daily basis that are talking, hey, what's going on? Well, I'm really fighting depression in my life. I'm fighting discouragement, loneliness in my life. And, and can I tell you, God has a solution for this. It's called his love. Amen? So number four, we're going to... Res- Just go ahead. Okay. Okay. We're good. Got it. Ooh. <laughs> thank you, sir. See, that's love serving right there, right? Love. Thank you, RJ. I appreciate that. And thanks to the tech team. I, um, I really do appreciate it. We're going to love sacrificially. We're not going to count the cost. We're not going to keep score. We will not give to get. Amen? Hey, folks, listen to me. Come on. I know we had a little distraction. Listen, we're not, we're not going to be that kind of people. That's not who we are. That, that's self-interest. That's world. That's culture. That's not us. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to give to show the love of God as it's been shown to me. That's the commandment Jesus gave us in John 13, 34. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And by this, all people will know. All people will know that you are my disciples 
Can I tell you, Chris got up here a few minutes ago and talked about serving and, and, and tried to make, you know, uh, serving in children's church and serving in the nursery, uh, just appealing. And, and can I tell you, great things are going on. We got kids that are getting saved. We got lives that are being changed. Can I tell you that if, if there's a heart, I love you, God loves you, if there's a heart lacking in you to serve others, there's something of the love of God missing in your life. Because you know what? That love will motivate us to serve. This has always, always been the mark of the Christians. It, it's been the mark of followers of Jesus Christ. In, in the early church, one of the greatest examples of, of things, I think, of, the, of, of, of serving and, and showing the love of Jesus Christ is when there was, an, in the early centuries, there was a, a plague that, that, that just swept across the Middle East. And this plague, uh, multitudes of people were dying. And it was so contagious that people were leaving their homes, abandoning everything, and, and just leaving sick people in their homes and running for their lives. And do you know what they said while they were running out of the cities? Do you know what they saw? They saw followers of Jesus Christ running into the cities. They saw followers of Jesus Christ that said, hey, I don't care if it costs me my life. I don't care if I have to sacrifice my life. If it's going to serve, it's going to benefit, it's going to help someone else then I'm ready to give my life. Can I tell you that in the world in which we live today, if we will see this kind of love, man, if the world will see this kind of love operating in followers of Jesus Christ, it will transform the world. It will transform the world. And, and guys, I'm not yelling at you and preaching at you because I'm telling you I've got a change in this. A couple of weeks ago, a week or so ago, that uh, when we had the, there was the fundraiser for uh, Pastor Chris, and Chris, we love you, and we know that there's the bills are there from the hospital. We can't even imagine what they are, and, and you're not going to go through it alone, man. We're going to help you with it. Hey. I said, we're going to help him with it, amen? Amen. Uh, one of our young people felt motivated to do something to help, and they put that fundraiser together. That wasn't church-sponsored. That was love-sponsored, amen? It really was, and that, that night, we came out of McAllister's, and, and I was ready to go and get home and stuff. And, and, and as, we're, as we're pulling out of the parking lot, there's a man in a wheelchair, and he's kind of stuck in the little, um, the little driveway there. He's trying to get up the driveway, and he's fussing and stuff. And, and Yvette goes, well, go help him. I go, no, nah, he can do it. He's probably getting exercise, you know, sweat pouring down and you know, I'm sure he's fine. He got here somehow, He'll, you know. And um, and she continued to encourage me. Nag, 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 nag. But she encouraged, she encouraged, kept encouraging me. And she goes, no, come on, come on. I want you to go over there and help him. So I go over there. Sir, do you need help? Oh, okay, sure. And, and folks, I, I'm really embarrassed, honestly, to tell you this, that we um, began to talk to him, and uh, and he was a victim that had, sometime earlier had had a stroke and, and he lived in some apartments on the other side of the loop and uh, but he, he we, we got him in the car and somebody Matt Draffin came by and picked up he's got his wheelchair and we tried to get him home and he couldn't get us to his house finally we figured out what he was talking about we got him to the home when we pulled up in front of his house his daughter's there she's in tears she's distraught she's been hunting for him for about an hour this man is lost Man, I'm telling you, I want more of the love of God in me that says, God, 
I want to be willing to sacrifice. I want to be willing to lay my life down. God, I want to be willing to, to just um, to fulfill your commandment to love as you've loved me. God, purify. Does anybody need this in their life today? Anybody need this in your life today? Purify our lives so that we can love, sincerely love one another from a pure heart. From a pure heart. Not just each other. Not just one another. But every person that we meet. Matthew chapter 5 puts it like this in verse 44. says, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who, love, who just persecute you. Verse 46, he said, because if, if you just love those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors, don't even the worldly people, don't even the self-interest culture do that? Hey, God wants us to love. Amen? Amen. I apologize. I know we've gone over a little bit, but we're going to wrap up here. The, number, the last, last little point here is this, is I believe we need to regain the loudness of love by loving unceasingly. It's hard to believe. Three Over three years ago, we did a series called There's Nothing Louder Than Love. And we talked about ways to love people with a love that's so loud that it can't be ignored. I, I want to I remind you of a, a couple of things. We're going to show you a couple of quick videos about how to love um, loud, love unceasingly. Folks, if we'll just look around, we'll find that there's a world out there waiting to be loved. And can I tell you, we really don't have to go far. As a matter of fact, there are people here today. There are people here today that are just waiting to be loved. We've said it before, but let me encourage you. Maybe, maybe it's been a long time since you've done this, since you just stopped out in the foyer, you crossed paths with somebody, and you just said, hey, I, I want to get to know you. Uh, maybe invite somebody to go to lunch with them if you go to right. Okay, if you can't afford a tip, don't go to lunch, right? So, but uh, right, if you, but but just show the love of God to somebody. There's a world that's open. There's opportunities everywhere for us to love our neighbor as ourselves, to treat strangers in a way where they know that God, we love them, and, and God loves them. Romans says, love does no wrong to a neighbor. Don't do wrong to people. Love people, right? Galatians says, the whole law is fulfilled. Love your neighbor as yourself. Let love be genuine. 1 Peter 4, above all else, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude. Listen, love covering a multitude of sins doesn't mean love hides sin. It means Love helps in the midst of sin. Amen? Man, it really does. Who needs our help more than those that are trapped in sin? Corinthians 16, let all that you do be done in love. And let me finish with this. Colossians chapter 3, verse 14 says, Above all things, above all things, let us put on love which will bind everything else together. In perfect harmony. I believe we're going to see this over the next few weeks as we go through the fruit of the Spirit. Love is going to cause that fruit to be put on and to be worn in such a way that we really are agents of transformation in the world in which we live. Amen? Amen?